This is one of those messages I don't know exactly how to begin. So the only thing I know to do is try to follow what I feel the Lord leading. This will be more of a philosophical message. We get used to patterns, and I think sometimes we think preaching should be read a passage of Scripture and then talk about that Scripture. And that's a, that's a good f- format. Expository preaching is necessary. This isn't one of those messages. So for those of you who maybe expect that, that you feel like we need to read a chapter and then discuss it in depth, I want to ask that you'll just relax and, and listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to show you. Because this is a purposeful, necessary, uh, practical message. But I'm going to start with just some questions for you to consider. We won't even be in the Bible for a few minutes, so you, some of you scholars, just, just relax. It's okay. Um, how many of you feel like, or have felt like, God is calling you to a more balanced life? I see some heads nodding. I see some, okay... Some of you feel like that. Some of you, do you feel like that's something you're dealing with right now? You feel like you need more balance? What do you mean when you say that? If I say, do you feel like you need more balance in your life? And you say, yes. I want you to think about what are you actually saying? What are you really saying? Maybe for some of you, some people, it doesn't apply to me. But maybe some of you have been told, listen, you need more balance in your life. My sweet, wonderful brother told me, and he is sweet. I I say, well, that's not a, a word you use for men. It can be. That's a gift that God has given him, a sweetness. Not all men have to be harsh. And he told me years ago, he said, that's basically what he told me. He said, you need a hobby. All you do is work. So I bought a little $200 kayak from the sporting goods store. And I get on my boat like Jesus did sometimes and get away from everybody and everything. I needed to be told that. He didn't use those words, but he was basically saying you need some balance or you need something that you're not doing. Some of you, do you feel like your life's already pretty balanced? And you're going to see these are, some of these questions are meant to entrap you in your thinking. You'll see. Some of you, maybe you feel like your life is balanced. And I want to ask, is that a good thing? Is it good? Or is it not good? Or maybe it just is. Do any of you wish your life was less balanced? My wife thinks that's a... Funny question. See, you're pondering it. Do any of you wish your life was less balanced? I do. Patty knows what I'm talking about. We haven't even talked. I see it. (laughs) Maybe some of you realize, with me asking these questions, that these aren't even the right questions to be asking. That there's something deeper at work that there's something more the Lord is trying to teach us and show us. And really what I'm trying to get us to here is, is it really about balance? 
these needs that we have inside that some of you clearly said, yes, I feel like I need more balance in my life. What are you actually saying? Because I don't think that's what you're actually craving. Amen. I'm going to explain it. I don't think that need that you feel is to have balance, I think is something deeper and more meaningful and more purposeful. So let me ask you again, philosophically, think about, step back. Step back from, we got to see what the Bible says. Step back and just think. Where did this idea come from that we should have balanced lives? Do you know where? It, I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I think it might be a product of the post-industrial revolution world that we live in. Where all of this, a balanced portfolio for retirement, this whole notion of everything. You need some here, some here, some here. Spread your attention around different places. Is that a biblical idea? I used to think I was good at multitasking. Until I listened to a two or three hour interview with a neuroscientist who explained all the science behind why multitasking is not even possible. Amen. You literally can't multitask. You might think you can. All you're doing is switching back and forth really fast. The human mind, and this is based on science and then I'm going to talk scripture too. The human mind is built so it can only focus on one thing at a time. So where does this idea of a balanced life come from? I don't know exactly. But I can't find it in Scripture. I'm not diminishing that need you feel inside of you to have a more balanced life. That's there for a reason and it means something. I just think it means something deeper. Let's, let's just get really simple and specific. Does God expect you to have a balanced life? Does Scripture teach that we should have or aspire to have balanced lives? I, I, I tried to dig in and find, where's the balance? This notion, even in, I've been setting goals since high school. And even these people who tell you about goal setting, you're, every category, you know, spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, relational, re religious, you need to have all these categories and then you need to make sure they're balanced. You know who's good at balance? Circus clowns. I'm being serious. It, it, that sounds funny. You know who's good at balance? A circus clown juggling. Humans aren't good at balance. He's good at shuffling things. But how good is he really doing at anything other than juggling? There's a reason he's in a circus performing an act. He's not actually accomplishing anything. It's really impressive. It's really cool. I mean, I can sort of juggle three tennis balls. Some of those guys can juggle like 12 chainsaws. It's amazing. But what does it accomplish? And brothers and sisters, the Lord has shown me this so clearly. The same is true in our lives. Many of us are craving balance because we've been conditioned to think that we're supposed to have balanced lives and then we feel guilty when we don't. Sister Mildred, you don't maybe know how much it meant to me. I went up to her and I said, I'm sorry I couldn't be at the funeral home. And she said, I understand.
We need to be more understanding with each other. Because this notion of balance, we can't do it. You can only be in one place at a time. Right? And if you are doing one thing, necessarily you're not doing something else. Right? And let me just be very vulnerable and real for a minute. And maybe some of my preacher brothers will listen to this later and maybe it will help you. You can't do it all. I have a dear friend that he's on my heart. I'm not going to say who he is, but if you listen to this, you'll know who you are. And, you know, every time I talk to him, he's realizing at deeper levels, I just can't keep doing it all. And he's somebody who can do more than most people. He's very capable. He's very intelligent. He he has a, a strong personal constitution. He's healthy. He's resilient. He can do more than most people. Is that what God actually wants from us? Does He want us to be able to do more than other people? You know what He actually wants from us? Childlike reliance upon Him. He's not impressed with our ability to do so much. What He wants is us to depend on Him. And so part of what I'm trying to tell you is if you realize that you lack something and it seems like you need more balance, what you really need is more surrender to the Lord. You're not going to get more balance. Balance is something you try to superimpose on your life because you've been told to. And I understand because I've had that same desire, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. God put this, I hope He helps me get it across. That's not what He's seeking from us. The notion of balance in our life is a man-made weight that we can lay down at the feet of Jesus. It is, brothers and sisters. It's a man-made weight. Balance is a myth. There's no such thing as balance in your, in your categories of life. Some of you might, maybe you're thinking through this and you're thinking, I'm not sure I really agree with you. That's fine. Maybe I'm using slightly different words than you would use. But I think you would agree you can only do one thing at a time. And you say, no, I can do many, I can do that, I can be riding my bicycle and listen to an audio book at the same time. I do that a lot. I don't ride a bike, but I go walk and listen to something. I'm still only doing one thing. And the goal is not for our mind to be in a different place than our body is. That's actually the opposite of the goal. That's a way to create a lack of peace in your life, not to have more peace. We're not called to balance lives. Let's think about... Now again, we're not going to look at a specific verse yet, but just think about the substance of Scripture as a whole. What does Scripture teach? We are called to live surrendered lives. Surrendered lives. We're called to live disciplined lives. Some of you, when you say, I need more balance in my life, maybe what you're actually recognizing is a lack of discipline. Sometimes I struggle with that. I told you all about sometimes how hard it is for me not to turn on some mind-numbing movie to help me go to sleep. And then my laptop messed up and I sent it off and the Lord used that to break that cycle. I'm not saying that to make light of it. I'm saying we're we're human and we all have our struggles. And 
Maybe what you're craving is there is, there is a, a lack of discipline, a sense that I can't make myself do what I'm supposed to, and that's okay if you feel that way. Take it to Jesus because you can't make yourself do it. Amen. He's got to help. Amen. You don't just need more self-discipline. You need more God-inspired dependence on Him, and that produces discipline. doesn't mean you shouldn't try. There's plenty of days I read my Bible without feeling inspired to read my Bible. <laughs> how many times, I, just think about it, how many times have you opened the Word with nothing, no prompting, no excitement, you start reading, man, and then the inspiration comes. Then the, the, the burning within your spirit comes. Then the life starts coming. It's not always like God wakes you up and says, hey, go read your Bible. So there's both. What am I trying to say? In this moment, I'm preaching. That means I'm not attending to my wife's needs, although those are necessary. That means I'm not attending to my daughter's needs, although that's necessary. That means I'm not making money for my family, although that's necessary. That means I'm not visiting somebody in the hospital, although that's necessary. I could keep going. I'm here. And this is where I am, and it's the only place I can be in this moment. And again, I, I want to say to my preacher brothers, to myself included, but also as, an, as a teaching example to all of us, what do you want your preacher, your elders, your pastor to do? What, what do you want him to do? I hear preachers, and we have a small church compared to most churches. I have a, some friends that... They can't do everything that is expected of them. It's literally impossible. And they'll tell me all the stuff that they have to do in the course of a week. And sometimes I'll think or ask, when does your congregation expect you to pray? Some of y'all have the spiritual maturity to know when to leave me alone. I have sensed it. And some of you don't, and that's okay, and that's without criticism. Because every person has different needs. But I'll just tell you how I feel, that what God has put in my spirit. If you don't agree, tell me. We'll talk about it. I feel like my greatest job as a pastor, whatever that title means, is to bring you the Word of God. That means sometimes I can't call all of you in a week. That means sometimes I don't go visit Sister Ida or Brother Donnie when I would like to. That means sometimes I can't go to every event. And I'm, this is not about me. I don't need a pat on the back. I don't want you to tell me how great I am after. That's not the goal. What I'm trying to tell you is God is showing me, and I hope He's showing more of us. Than I, and to my preacher brothers, I hope you begin to realize you never were supposed to do it all. And so if I have to sacrifice something, some, we had a little um, birthday thing for Mary Grace yesterday and, and the few people that were there noticed I just sort of wandered off outside and left. I didn't say anything. I, I had to have some time alone with the Lord. And they understand. They know me. It's Saturday. I'm not really that fun to hang out with on Saturday. You know why? Because I'm not a circus clown and I can't get up here and perform a speech. I can't pour out what I don't have inside me. And preaching, when it's a calling, is a pouring out. 
It is supposed to be that that man has been with God and learned something by divine revelation about him and now he's pouring it out to the congregation. I can't do that if I don't have it in me. Amen. Again, this is not about me. But there's, there are patterns that have been established that a pastor is supposed to go to the hospital all the time, visit the sick, do this, do this, counsel everybody. Actually, is that what Scripture establishes? Is he supposed to have a bunch of balance in his life? Is he supposed to ha treat every category? i got to spend this time. Actually, what Scripture teaches is he needs to be sold out to God. Yes. Feed my sheep. We talked about this recently. There's a reason deacons were established. because, And it sounds selfish because we've been brainwashed. When the apostle said, it's not appropriate for us, I'm going to use language that we understand, for us to waste our time handing food out. We need to spend time with God. It doesn't mean the preacher is more important than everybody else. It means he has a task to do that doesn't require balance. It requires undivided focus. And actually, that's what God wants in all of our lives. So right now, like I said, I'm preaching. And because I'm doing this, this is what I need to be fixed on. Single-minded focus on this task. Now, let's consider some Scripture. What does Scripture actually teach? And I would encourage you, go study your Bible and see if you find the notion of balance in the sense that I'm using it. There is the idea of balance, that, that, but in this sense, that you should equally divide your attention proportionately between all these categories of life. You don't find that in Scripture. And it's not even, it doesn't make sense when you step back from the cultural like brainwashing and recognize actually all life is is imbalance. All it is is moving from one thing to another. That's all, it, I mean. And here, some of you that, are, that feel like, I don't like singling people out, but I feel like saying this to you, Alan. I know sometimes he feels like, because I sense it, doesn't say much, but he feels called to this task with their gym, the thing they're doing with that, and sometimes he's not here. And I know it's a, it's, a it's a struggle. But he has to answer to God for how he spends his time, and if he's doing what he should, and he can't be in two places at once, that's okay. I could single out other people, and that's not my goal. But to all of us, you can take the weight off your back, the weight of guilt that I'm not doing as good as I should in these other areas. Before I get to Scripture, I want to pause and read something I found online. Some, some mama wrote this blog. And I just want to read you a little bit of her words because it, it spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me through it. Just can you just listen for a minute? Here's what she wrote. A pale moon hangs casually above the tree line tonight, like it's in no hurry and has nothing to prove. I watch its slow ascent toward the heights of inky blackness, and I feel remarkably out of balance. I pull my Bible out in search of encouraging scriptures on balance as I aim to align myself with God's 
perspective. I feel out of balance because our kids have been sick for weeks. I've crossed everything else off the schedule, set aside writing projects, canceled plans with friends. Every ounce of energy has gone into caring for their needs. I'm tired. I need the Lord to speak to me in this daily grind. (laughs) Maybe you can relate. Maybe your life feels out of balance and you're not sure what to do about it. Maybe in your mind, balance is something like this. Imagine your life is represented by a balance scale holding numerous plates. The plates represent the different areas of your life. Friendships, family, church, community service, your jobs, hobbies, commitments. In your mind, maybe, a balanced life is achieved by keeping all these plates equally filled. Much to your frustration, you can't, keep, see, you can't seem to keep the plates filled in a balanced way. One plate's full and another plate's empty. Your plates might lose their balance for a variety of reasons. Maybe a family member's been diagnosed with a serious illness. Like Sister Ida, her life's imbalanced right now. She's spending all her spare time with her husband, as she should be. And if you end up listening to this, Sister Ida, we love you. We understand why you're not here. Sometimes people expect things that aren't reasonable. Let me get back to what this lady wrote. Your inability to balance your plates make you feel like you're failing God and failing the people who are getting the smaller portions of your attention. I spent decades feeling frustrated because I could never seem to find balance. One big thing often demanded the majority of my energy. Just when I felt like my plates were equally full, we had another baby, or God called me into another task, or I faced a major shift in my career. God's idea of balance and scriptures on balance is different than mine. Finally, he showed me his idea of balance. He never promised us lives of equally proportioned commitments. He often fills one plate full for a season and asks us to give tremendous energy to that one area of life. You might feel like you're failing God because you spend every waking moment caring for another person and fall asleep when you try to read the Bible. Have y'all felt... Some of y'all... You would identify it's, it's real. And here's what I want to tell you. You can take that guilt away. God, I'm not a good Bible reader. God, I don't pray like I should. That's okay. Tell him about it. Do what's on the plate before you. And rely on him to give you another plate when he's ready. Maybe you spend your days tending to your health. Raising your children or taking care of your spouse and you feel like your life lacks purpose and outward kingdom focus. I want to say that to the mamas with, with young children. I, I know many of them, maybe my own wife, they feel this like, oh, man, have you hung out with a two or three year old lately? All of your attention is consumed with their, depending on the child's personality, their never ending questions that have to be answered. And everything else falls to the wayside. And you know what, mama, my wife, others, it's okay. It's okay if there's a little extra dust in the house. It's okay. Dust doesn't take up much room on a plate anyways. (laughs) You're not failing God. And this lady says this too, I like this. She says, if he's given you an assignment that you can't opt out of, this assignment is a God-ordained full plate in your life. Brothers and sisters, it's hard for me to say no. 
Some of you, it's hard to say no. A few weeks ago, I asked y'all's prayers, and I said, I'm, I'm trying to, I didn't tell many of you what it was, but I, I was trying to prepare for this sh- sh- career shift, to try to keep being able to make a living for my family without sacrificing the free time that is needed to pastor. And it's hard. And for that season, I had one plate. I still preached, but people wanted things. I remember Brother Perigo, he, he, he got a printer for the church, and he said, can you, can you meet me at the church? I don't have a key. And I said, no. <laughs> you remember? And I felt bad. I felt really bad. I said, I, I can't. I'm spending all of my time studying. You know what? That was a full plate God gave me for a few weeks. And now it's not a full plate. Now I can unlock the door if you need me to. And he understood. I didn't ask him if he understood, but I know he did. And even if he did, and it doesn't matter. Because it's what I had to do. There's just a limit to what we can actually do. My brother, I'm talking to you again. Not you, but my preacher brother that I'm thinking of. I hope you hear that. There's a li- Man, there's a, li- there's a limit to our strength. And there's supposed to be. There's supposed to be. So let me look at a few scriptures here. I pray, boy, I pray the Lord is helping y'all understand this in the same way. I feel so filled up and freed in some ways learning these truths from the Lord. Again, back to, does Scripture teach us to have balance? Let's look at some things Scripture teaches. King, King David exclaimed in Psalms 27 verse 4, one of my very favorite scriptures. Y'all know it? One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. This is a man who understood something about God. He, he's the only person that I know of that Scripture refers to as a man after my heart. That's what God said about him. My servant David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. He craves my presence. Not he's perfect. Not he's never sinned. Not he's never had imbalance in his life. And then David described it this way. One thing. One all-consuming hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say blessed are those who equally balance proportionally all the areas of their life. He said blessed are those who have a consuming hunger for one thing. Do you understand? You're starting to understand. The Apostle Paul proclaims, that I may know Him, this is Philippians 3, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And then later in that chapter, he said, not that I've already obtained all of this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. The King James says, I haven't apprehended, but... One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. One thing. Does that sound like balance to you? No, it doesn't. I think we've been sold a well-intentioned falsehood. God never wanted us to have balance. Stop feeling guilty that you don't. One thing. One thing. The Apostle Paul says there's only one thing that matters. That's what he's saying. One thing that supersedes all other things. One thing that is the umbrella over every other important need in life. One thing. If we get this one thing right, everything else will work out. If we pursue this one thing with everything we have in us, then all other things will fall into place. Do we believe that? Let me make sure you understand. I'm not just telling you my opinion. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, the perfect Passover Lamb, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, said, Seek Me first. And he wasn't using it in a numerical sense. He was saying this is of paramount importance. Yes. He was talking about the primacy of our focus on him. There is nothing else, Jesus said. Forget balance. Really. I love this scripture in Jeremiah. It ties in Jeremiah 9.23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the wealthy man in his riches. Say, what does that have to do with this? Everything. None of those things matter. If you're strong, it's not your strength. If God's blessed you with wealth, it's not your riches. Whatever he's blessed you. What did Paul say? I wish I could use the word that actually would. Some of y'all be uncomfortable with that. He said, I consider it all dung. Manure. That's what Paul said. Everything I've ever accomplished. That's the category I put it in because it was all for him to obtain his righteousness. To, to press toward the mark of the calling that he's given me. One thing. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, I feel like there's so much depth to this truth. I've said this, but it still feels so present and true that God is still showing me what that means. And for a lot of years, I did not understand that Jesus literally meant it. I thought it was some type of abstract teaching. Seek first the kingdom of God. No, I think he literally means for us to give him our first attention, our best attention, our undivided focus, and everything else will work out. That's what my prayer this week was that I alluded to when I just simply asked the Lord. It was about that. God, I'm supposed to provide for my family and there's other people in my life who need help. And you know that. And the industry I'm in, I'm a, I sell houses. It's a sales industry. And that is in, this is what I'm telling the Lord, that is in direct conflict with, with who you made me to be. Everything about it makes me uncomfortable. And I can try, if you want me to, Lord, y'all don't maybe understand how hard this, Lord, if you want me to, I will do it. But it feels wrong. So I just need you to provide. 
And he does. Do you see? Oh, I pray you understand this, that the Lord is showing us. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, do we really believe it? Do we really get it? Do we really live like that? We can. We can. You know, again, I don't see this notion of personal balance as a focus in the words of Jesus. There was a time in Matthew 22, I want to read you that one. The Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, and I don't know if that person was looking for one of the ten or one of the 602. I think that's how many they had. But Jesus answered him the only way he could have, which didn't have anything to do with balancing them. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There's another passage where it's with all your strength. That's included, but here it doesn't say that. You shall, does that sound like balance to you? <laughs> this is Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God with every ounce of everything in you. And you should also love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells the man, this is the great and first commandment. The second's like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus doesn't say, here's how you can balance all of the requirements of God. He says the only way to satisfy the law of God is one thing. Not balance. I want to be very clear, brothers and sisters. I think a great deal of misery in our lives comes from the self-imposed expectation that we must have balance across different categories of our lives. And the guilt that comes from the impossibility of that task, you can't do it. You can't. If we can allow ourselves to be freed, because here's the thing, not now, when you, when you live that way, now you're not just imbalanced, but you're an imbalanced failure on top of it. That's how your mind feels. That's the lies your mind starts to tell you. And they're not true. You're not a failure if you're a child of God. And if you can't give attention to other areas of your life, other plates, as that lady wrote, that's okay. God will put the plate in your hands that He wants you to focus on. And maybe people around you will be disappointed. That's hard and we should, be, we should care, but you're not here to please them. You're here to please God. And I, I want to say again in the context of pastoring, although I'm not the focus, but this, this is an important role. This, the church is important. There are times that I'll disappoint you. And I care and I'm sorry. But I have such a sense in me that my greatest job is to be able to preach. And if I can't talk to you for two hours on a Thursday, I'm sorry. If I can't come visit you at the hospital that week, I'm sorry. Like, I really care. But that's not why God called me to preach. Is it? Now, how does this apply to you? Most of you here are not preachers. 
How does it apply to you? I don't want to make this about pastors or about preachers. What I'm preaching, how does it apply to you? Dig in and let the Holy Spirit show you. Where have you been carrying around guilt in your life that's not necessary? I've, I've done, I haven't done this well, or I've let my kids down, or I've let my grandkids down. Or Where does it apply to you? Now let God take that from you. Just breathe it out like a sigh of relief and let Him have it. A couple more things Scripture shows. <clears throat> I did. I looked at Scripture and tried to find balance. I didn't see it. But what I did see, here's one of the things I saw. There's seasons. To everything, this is Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, to everything there's a season and a time to every person that's purpose under the heaven. Why do you think God gave us seasons? Isn't it fascinating? Yes. He gave us four, depending on what part of the world you live in, but four extreme climates to live through. One is not like the other. There's a reason winter's not like summer, and if you try to do summer stuff in the winter, it's not going to be enjoyable. That's how balance, self-imposed balance is in your life. It's like walking around in flip-flops in the snow. That's not what God meant. When it's winter, He meant for you to put on a coat and do winter things. That's what Scripture teaches, changing seasons and embracing the extreme differences in each season. Sometimes as we age or get older, it's hard to embrace that this is a new season of life. I can't do everything I used to do. That's okay. I'm not sure any wise older men would trade the strength of, use, uh, of youth uh, along with the intemperance that came with it, would you? You got some wisdom and some, I'm not sure it's worth trading. It's just a different season. Jesus says, again, try, I'm trying to find balance in Scripture, and I read, If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That doesn't sound like balance. <laughs> if you want to be a good servant of me, I want you to equally balance your attention between your wife, your children, your community, your church, your work. He didn't say that. He said abandonment, personal abandonment, undivided focus, crucify everything else. That's what Jesus said. He even said in another place, y'all know this, if any man hate not his father and mother, he can't be my disciple. The goal is not for you to hate your parents. The goal is you have to want me more than anything. That doesn't sound like balance to me. And one final point, and then Sister Jody, maybe we can get that God on the mountain ready. In preparation for his earthly ministry, listen to me, please, two more minutes of your attention. In preparation for his earthly ministry, Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights without food. Yes. That doesn't sound like balance. And being tempted by Satan, that's how God prepared him to walk in the Spirit for the duration of his life. Not through balance but through undivided focus on one thing. What do you th who do you think got ignored by Jesus during those 40 days? How many people could He have healed? How many people could have He helped? 
From a human standpoint, that seems selfish. How could Jesus do that and abandon everybody who needed Him? Because He understood, if I don't get the one thing right, I can't do anything else. There's one thing. I must understand the will of my Father. I need to be completely surrendered to Him. And if I'm not, I can't do what He called me to do. If we can stop trying to force personal balance and feeling guilty that we don't have it, and have this instead, God will be pleased. Brothers and sisters, allow yourself to be freed from that. Don't be a circus clown, juggling all the things in your life. Whatever thing is on your plate in this moment, give it everything you've got. If you're at work tomorrow, be at work. Do it to the best of your ability. And then when you're at home with your family, do that to the best of your ability. And then when you're praying, try to get rid of all that stuff and give God that to the best of your ability. One thing. One thing. God bless you all.